Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Sports wagering heads to the ballot in the state of California in November. Florida and Texas still don't have a plan or a model. What does this all mean when it comes to a multi-billion dollar industry? A former Michigan state legislator breaks it all down and tells us what's to come as Guaranteed Money gets rolling. And welcome to TDR's Guaranteed Money. I am Ryan Doyle. We've got a great show for you today. I've been waiting to talk about this issue for quite a while, so I'm glad I've got somebody uh, who is very much in the know. When the Supreme Court opened the door to legal sports betting in 2018, it allowed each state to determine its relationship with that pastime. Some, they embraced it with open arms, taking their first single-game bets the very same year. Others, for some reason, seem to have no interest in allowing a wager to be made within the state lines. We wanted to break this down for you as an audience, because I get a lot of questions about this, and I'm sure they will still come in our comment section, so please continue to leave them. Uh, but to break the, down this entire issue, the holdups, the legalities, I'm joined by Brant Iden. He is the head of government affairs for Sport Radar. Brant is also a former Michigan state legislator who was instrumental in helping legalize sports betting in that state. Brant, great to have you. Hey, great to be on with you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure because this is a big, messy, sticky issue, and you're the guy who's going to answer all the questions for me, so that's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to give it a shot. That's for sure. (laughs) Let's start with, I think, what is the obvious question to a lot of people, because I'm up in Canada, right? I'm in Ontario, where our market, you know, they said they were going to do it. They did it. And now I think the rest of the country is really looking at Ontario as sort of that epicenter as to what to learn from and how do we just take that cookie cutter approach. Why is it not the same in the United States? Why is it not black and white or cookie cutter where one state gets given the green light? The rest just follows suit with the same legal model. Well, very interesting question. And and while I may contend this, I'm not so sure that it will be so cookie cutter across the provinces, by the way, but we can talk a little bit about sure. that. But, um, but I will say this, in, in the U.S., uh, gaming has always been regulated on a state-by-state basis, it, even with the brick and mortars. Uh, from ever since uh, casino gaming has started, it has been a state uh, issue. And so when PASPA was overturned uh, four and a half years ago now, um, it basically said that this is a state's rights issue. And so because of that, the states take the lead on this. And in every state, gaming is unique. And so therefore, sports betting is unique to every state. And it's certainly been uh, a different uh, a different issue has been encountered every time we've, we've gone uh, to a state to try to advocate for new legislation because you have tribals in some states, you have, uh, you know, commercial uh, gaming in some states. You've got lotteries in some states. It's always very different. And so it's always very exciting. So let's talk about the, the big prize before we get to Ontario. And I, I love that you put that out there. So I'll take you up on it a little later on in, in the show. <laughs> okay, all right. we'll, we'll talk about some of the Canadian stuff, but let's talk about the big prize in the United States when it comes to the wagering spates. And I think that's the state of California. We've seen hundreds of millions of dollars from two sides, uh, two different propositions on the table on the ballot in November. Can you break these measures down for my audience and explain how California may just look different at the end of all of this from a sports betting perspective when this is all uh, cut and dry and, and, and kind of shaken out? Sure. So what you have in California is on uh, November 8th, when folks go to the ballot in California, they'll have two options, Proposition 26 and Proposition 27. 26 is is a sports betting initiative that is retail-based only, meaning in-person wagering only can occur at tribal casinos and, and racetracks, so horse tracks, basically. Uh, it also allows for the tribes to integrate uh, what I call ball and dice games, so they'd be allowed to have craps and roulette, which they don't currently have uh, in their retail casinos. But basically, from a sports betting perspective, this is a retail-only initiative. 
27 is uh, designed to work in conjunction with 26, actually, and that that's uh, something that sometimes gets overlooked in this debate, but 27 is a mobile statewide sports betting initiative. So by voting yes for both of them, you would get sports betting in the casino and you would get mobile sports betting. So 27 is being uh, uh, pushed uh, and supported by the commercial operators, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Bally's, the list goes on. And obviously the tribes are supportive of, of 26. And the reason this is becoming such a fight is because the tribes have said, look, we have had exclusivity in the state of California for 40 plus years now. We've earned that right. And we're not so keen on having the commercial operators come into the market. Sure, we understand that 27 would integrate with us. But really, at the end of the day, we believe we have the exclusive right to gaming and we don't want anybody else coming into the market. And that is why you have seen what I like to call the battle royale in California. And uh, to date, I just saw this number yesterday, $427 million has been spent for and against these two propositions, the highest ever in the country uh, and certainly the highest in the state of California on any ballot initiatives. And I believe come election day, we're going to be well over uh, $500 million. So, I mean, half a billion dollars. uh, This is a big industry. California is a big prize. You know, it's interesting you say that, though, because what you explained there when you when you link 27 to 26 is is nuance. And I think with all of the advertising and and granted, we don't live in a world where nuance, you know, has any any hope of survival. It's, It's either black or white most of the time. But, you know, with all the advertising that's been out there that I've seen, that nuance hasn't been explained. Wouldn't it make it easier for a voter in November to kind of figure it out and understand that there is a bit of a linkage there? Absolutely, but that's not the way politics is played. And so the way the way it works with these two propositions is that you're seeing uh, just massive campaign spend on um, what some would call uh, maybe some conjecture about what could happen if these initiatives pass. Maybe some would say they're lying, this side's lying, etc. And that's that's campaign. That's the process. That's the way it works. I mean, I've looked at both these. I've been watching. You know, I'm a political junkie, so I get on YouTube. I look at the ads. I don't live in California, but I love watching them anyway. And um, and I'm watching them and I'm saying, OK, this kind of makes sense. I could see this. But what I'm hearing from folks that actually live in California is that there's just massive confusion. Yeah. They said, we don't really know what to believe at this point in time. Right. There's been so and and we're fed up. We have been seeing these ads for three months now, three and a half months. We're still, by the way, a month and a half from Election Day. And and people are just getting, you know, they turn on the NFL games over this past weekend, which I know we talked a little bit about before the show. And. All they're seeing is advertising, sports betting advertising, sports betting advertising. And so they're saying, you know what? I'm fed up. So unfortunately, uh, if I had to make a prediction today as a as a gambling man, I would tell you that both of these initiatives maybe get about 30 percent favorable, 35 uh, percent maybe at the end of the day. And that's not going to be enough to get over that 50 percent mark to pass. And so unfortunately, what I see happening is that both of these initiatives likely fail. And then what does that mean for the industry? What does that mean for sports wagering in the state or potential players and betters in the state that want a little action on the games you just mentioned? Well, that means that they're just going to continue to do what they have been doing, which is probably place a bet wager in an illegal offshore market uh, if they if they choose to do that. Um, because I don't foresee if both of these initiatives fail, <clears throat> you know, it's a situation where 
they could go back. Both of these parties could go back to the ballot box two years from now and try this all over again, which I believe I would certainly hope that cooler heads would prevail. And they would say, look, this is not sustainable for us to continue to spend this kind of money and try this again, only to potentially have these fail. Let's see if we could come to the table, negotiate something that makes sense. And hopefully we could see a launch. If that were to happen, we could see a launch in California, maybe sometime in, in 2025, I would say, something like that. Wow. It would make sense. If we have to go back and do this all over again, uh, you could be looking at longer than that. And so 26, 27, uh, potentially, uh, and I mean year 26, 27, not Proposition 26, 27. Right. And, and I just think that that's, um, uh, that, that's, that's tough for folks that live in California that want to place a legal wager. Uh, let's look at some of the other states that haven't joined the party at this point in time, uh, states like Texas, Florida. Uh, what are we seeing there? And I know they're both the individual states with individual issues, but what are we seeing there in terms of legislation getting passed that way? Well, Texas is very exciting. I'm, I'm super excited, again, as a political geek about Texas this year. And, and so uh, for the audience, Texas is a unique state because the Texas state legislative body only meets every other year. Uh, so And they only then meet for 90 days. So you've got a very short window for uh, anything to get done in Texas. And it does happen. People say, how can they legislate in that short amount of time? And it's like, well, it does happen. Uh, so 2023 is a year where they go into session. Uh, 2022 the Texas legislature did not meet, so we didn't have any discussions about sports betting in Texas this year. So I think we're going to get through the elections. Uh, I don't envision anything politically likely changing in Texas, which means that uh, we're dealing with the same landscape we dealt with in 2021. However, here's the big difference between when we started these conversations in 2021 up until when the legislative body will convene in February of 2023, there's been a lot of what I call off-season conversations that have occurred. So legislators have been been meeting with stakeholders, they've been being educated on the issue, and I believe that even if Texas isn't able to get sports betting across the finish line this year, we're going to make significant headway. We're going to have some hearings, we're going to have some real dialogue about it, and I think that uh, I think that things are going to move in Texas, um, potentially not in 2023, but uh, although I'm hopeful, uh, but certainly by 2025, I, I think we'll see something in Texas. And, and remember, Texas has always sort of been slow on the gaming front, they've yeah. never really fully embraced it. It's been a tougher state. Florida is, uh, you know, pivoting there. It's Florida is very unique. So Florida had sports betting for about 35 days. Uh, governor DeSantis, uh, the governor of the state of Florida, entered into an agreement with the Seminole Tribe to authorize sports betting through a compact negotiation. And unfortunately, uh, various stakeholders in Florida said, we don't like that. That's not going to work. And now this has been tied up in the courts. So the Seminoles have ceased all sports betting in Florida. And uh, I believe if I had to make a prediction on that one, that it will likely end up before the Supreme Court. This could potentially be a Supreme Court decision that we see, which we wouldn't see until a decision being made on that until probably before the summer recess of next year. So if the Supreme Court were to get this in front of them by, um, you know, uh, say June or so of 2023, they could render a decision. Uh, it all depends on the timing of the court. So unfortunately, those two states, although there's um, – you know, great fanfare and great conversation. It may take us a little while to get sports betting in those two particular states. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I spent years covering news and politics, and I hear what you're talking about from a, a legal perspective, and I hear what you're talking about when it comes to some of the politics that's going on around this. How much of this is just politicking? 
And, and I'm not talking about politics, but like just politicking. Uh, when I talk about Florida, when you hear about, like, is it in California? I mean, it goes without saying almost. How much of it is in your mind and estimation just politicking? Yeah, that's a that's a large percentage of it. And and let me dissect that a little bit <laughs> okay. and say and say this. Um Gaming can be a difficult vote for legislators to take. Uh, now, as a former legislator and someone who advanced legislation in Michigan, I always I was the reason I was always interested in sports betting is because I'm a gambler myself. I I, I enjoy it. I participate in it. I want it regulated. I want it safe. I want this to be a a entertainment option for consumers of the state of Michigan. Um, so for me, it wasn't a hard vote. But working with my colleagues, what I could see is that, you know, as, as I talked about this issue, the, the wrangling, right? I could see them sort of processing it and saying, boy, this is a this is a difficult vote. It's how do I justify this vote brand back in my district that I'm going to expand gaming in some form? And so it does come down to politics and it comes down to do does a legislator think that they could potentially lose their reelection on an issue like this? Is it that controversial? Is gaming, you know, that controversial in my district? that, you know, I want to stay away from this issue. So it's all about education. It's all about, you know, ensuring that we understand that this is going on in the unregulated space and we want to put guardrails around this to protect consumers and bring this into the regulated uh, regulated marketplace like other regulated activities in the state. I always beat up on the state of Massachusetts. My whole family is from there. Maybe that's the reason why. But, uh, you know, DraftKings is housed there, one of the biggest operators. They recently passed a bill uh, allowing sports wagering in the state. But much like the big dig in Boston years ago, it seems like this is taking forever when it comes to creating the framework. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that such a difficult thing for that state to get done? Well, uh, it may feel like that because I think the state of Massachusetts has debated a sports betting bill for the better part of four years since PASPA was overturned. So um, they actually just recently passed the legislation and it was only recently signed by the governor. It, uh, it's now been about a month and a half, two months. And so I will say that now the process has started where we go into the regulatory phase where now the rule promulgation has to take place. That's usually a period of about 12 to 14 months. If you look at averages on how long states take to promulgate rules because they, you know, they, they dialogue about these rules, they usually uh, integrate certain things from other states, then they have to go through a public comment period. And so um, I'm not sure that it will be any longer from that perspective. It just took Massachusetts a long time to get to this point. Uh, and I do believe that the books are ready to go in Massachusetts. In fact, I was recently out at uh, Encore Win uh, a number of months ago, and the book is built. They're ready to go at any point in time. Once the Massachusetts Gaming Board says you're good, retail wagering can take place. So I envision that we retail wagering could likely be up by Super Bowl. Um, I, I recognize that's an aggressive timeline, but they certainly have the ability to do that. Mobile's going to take a little bit longer as it always does for because of that rulemaking process. But um, we're excited about Massachusetts. It's been one of the bigger wins in an otherwise slow legislative year for 2022. You know, I mentioned uh, I've, I've followed politics and news for a very long time. I also know that politicians like to have money to spend. And it's interesting to me, and I don't know if it surprises you, that a lot of these states don't look at the already regulated markets, the New Yorks, New Jersey's, what have you, and, and don't just start salivating at the money that is coming in into these states from sports wagering and the ability to take that into government coffers has to be a temptation to put the, push these things through fast, does it not? 
Usually it is. And, and <laughs> I like your honesty, it is. Brent. This is I, good. I, I, usually it is. <laughs> I will tell you what's happened is that because of the pandemic, the federal government uh, here in the U.S. has been doling out to states a tremendous amount of COVID relief dollars for various uh, things, whether it be for businesses, relief funds for individuals, uh, relief funds for the state, um, for state workers. And so the states right now are very flush with cash and they don't need the money. And when states don't need the money, what I also know about lawmakers is that they just don't care about that issue as much. And so the money doesn't come into play as much as you would think it would. Now, I do believe this. As we potentially head to a slower economic time period, some say a recession, and things start to slow down for the states, and states are looking to gather new revenue, I think they're going to be more open about uh, about about bringing sports betting on board. And hopefully, iCasino as well. I know that that's been a very popular product in Ontario, because as you know up there, they now have sports betting and iCasino, much like we have in Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So now that's a perfect segue. You're good at this, man. You're, you're, <laughs> lead, you're leading me to water and I'm, I'm about to lap it all up, my friend. Uh, let's talk Ontario. You've got a great view of it from, you know, Michigan, cat's bird seat uh, of looking on what's going on here. Uh, you don't think the Ontario model will be as cookie cutter as I suggested in the introduction. You know, I don't. I think that much like uh, the U.S., the provinces are very are very different. I think that what we've seen so far is that lottery in most of the provinces is going to control this conversation. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be as, as open and as competitive as what Ontario set forth. Ontario obviously has had a history of gaming, obviously the brick and mortar casinos there. I remember uh, <clears throat> probably placing my first wager in what used to be Casino Windsor, by yep. the way, right across Caesars the border, now, yep. <laughs> which is now Caesars. And, uh, you know, because remember, you had to be 21 in the States. Right. And so what did you do when you were 18 in Michigan? You went across the border into Windsor. And so I I remember those days. Um, and, and so there's always been a, a history of, of gaming in, in, uh, in Ontario that doesn't necessarily exist in the other provinces. And I'm not so sure that the other provinces are going to say, we want that kind of robust activity that, that they're seeing in Ontario. Now, I, I, again, that's speculative, but um, I think that they may be a little bit more tepid about it than what, than what you may think. And, and so I think they're going to wait and see how it goes in Ontario, how successful the market really is. We just recently saw numbers come out of Ontario. And um, I think that the other provinces are going to, they're, they're probably going to wait and see what happens. Six months into the Ontario, let's call it experiment, or I guess, you know, first out of the gate uh, sort of thing that's going on. Um, when you look at it, did Ontario get it right? Boy, loaded question, Ryan. Uh, Ontario did some things right. There were some things I was a little, uh, I've been a little skeptical about. Um, I, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that's difficult in Ontario is that there has always been a prevalence of the gray market. Remember, gaming in Ontario, especially sports betting, has, was well advertised. People participated in it. It was a gray market activity that was just wasn't really regulated and everybody sort of look the other way for, for lack of a better term. Uh, now what they're trying to do is bring those gray market actors into the regulated fold. And that's a difficult task. You're saying, look, you never paid taxes before. You never participated in a regular market. We're a regulated market. We're asking you to stop what you have been doing and come in and pay taxes in Ontario. Uh, it's a big, it's a, it's a big request for companies that have been operating for years outside of the fold. 
So I think that that's going to take a little bit of time. I think that guardrails are going to need to be put in place. What we haven't seen from the AGCO is any sort of real directive as to what will occur uh, with those uh, those those operators that continue to operate in the gray market. They're trying, and and uh, and so I want to be uh, again. I want to. I, I don't want to sound negative about it. It's a uphill battle. The AGCO has has done a good job trying to put this in place. I've, I've got friends up there. I worked on that issue up there. Uh, obviously, being right over the border, I spent a lot of time. In, in Ontario before the launch. Um, it's just going to take some time, I think. Well, next time you're up here, you're going to have to come and have a beer and watch a game with me. I'm looking yeah, forward will, to it. Absolutely. I will absolutely do that. And I'm looking forward to maybe we we'll even get back to Casino Windsor or Caesars and go just for old time's sake and oh, place a sports bet there. there we go. Who old time's sake. Okay. Uh, all right. I like it. Brant, well, real... you know, I, get, I, I make more money there <laughs> than <Yeah>. the exchange. <laughs> right? I mean, it's an automatic winner for you right when you cross That's the right. border. Like when I, went, right. when I went across the border, all I was doing is getting like cherry Coke and, and Twinkies because you couldn't get them in Canada. But <laughs> the hell did I know? Brant, we're going to have to have you back on the show. We really appreciate the insight because it's been very helpful, I think, to walk everybody through this. Thank you. Great being on with you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for watching. This is the part where we put you to work just a little bit. So like, subscribe, and of course, tap the bell to get alerts for when new content comes out. Leave a comment if you can. And if you really liked what you saw, share it on social media, won't you?